and welcome to the Rory's Nitro podcast, the show that rips up the buy rates and TV ratings and declares our own winner in some of pro wrestling's biggest head-to-head battles. I'm your host, Lee Carlos Cunningham, back on my lonesome one more time in an episode of the show that nearly cancelled the show. Um, maybe a little bit overdramatic, but we're here to review the August 22nd episode of Sunday Night Heat up against the August 26th episode of Thunder, both 1998, of course, if you've been following along. Um, this little subset of shows has allowed me to do something different whilst I'm waiting on people to record with. Um, if you, you know who all the usuals are, so feel free to hit up the slackers on the other side of the world and tell them to get their schedules in line with mine exactly perfectly right now. Um, kidding of course but this little set of shows when i'm you know sort of waiting to record something allows me to watch some wrestling and keep the show coming to you guys and so far i've enjoyed heat thunder's been a bit of a mixed bag but these two episodes they both took a dive off a cliff in comparison to the previous one so if you want to hear me paying out on some shitty 1998 wrestling this is going to be the show for you if you only really love the enthusiasm and the passion from my voice from comes from rediscovering something i loved or never saw before then maybe you're going to be unhappy with this one but stick around anyway because it's going to be lots of fun now as far as the shows themselves go heat was still soaring it's brand new sort of episode four of sunday night heat and the ratings here get this uh 3.6 for sunday night heat in 1998 compare that to today's raw ratings or the best ratings they do in a year it's incredible so you know the show itself is still carrying a lot of momentum. It's just, it looks as though four weeks in, Vince has decided this is not where all his um, energy is going to go towards. On the flip side, I'm not really able to find a Thunder rating for this episode. If anyone has a database where they can find uh, the TV ratings for Thunder, please let me know because I've got them for Nitro, Raw, and Heat. But um, Thunder, I just can't seem to find online. Maybe I'm doing something wrong. The irony of this anyway, getting past the ratings, is the fact that this is a time period where Vince and Bischoff were basically going head-to-head for who had the best show on Monday night, and it seemed as though they had this little side battle going now as to who can have the shittier second show that they don't put any effort into. So that's going to do for my moaning and complaining about the overall state of it. Let's dive right into Heat, which I watch first, being the shorter show. I normally do go in that direction, but let's have a look and see if it was the right choice. gives me a little bit of a false hope that it's going to be awesome because we start out with loads of pyro and I know everyone else hates it but Shane and JR on commentary which I kind of dig as a combo it's not quite Shane and King from WWF attitude levels but I still like it um First matchup here is going to be the Oddities versus Southern Justice, and right off the bat, we get our dick move of the week when they overdub the ICP theme song, which was the only good thing about the Oddities. Um, ICP is another polarizing act, but the theme song they did for the Oddities I quite liked. I especially liked when they um, wrapped them down to the ring, I want to say SummerSlam 98. Um, but anywho, it is not here. Before the match even gets underway as well, like sort of midway through the entrances here, The Rock comes out and puts a ladder on the stage. Um, 
Triple H has challenged him to a match for the Intercontinental title at SummerSlam. Rock doesn't say anything. He just opens up the ladder, sticks it on the stage, and walks off. So the indication here is, yeah, I'll take your challenge. It's going to be a ladder match. When we get started, Dennis Knight slaps Kurgan, which turns out to be a bit of a mistake because he eats a big clothesline. In comes a giant Golga with some good corner shoulders. Um, sounds a little bit like the earthquake with his grunts. So, you know, I don't know if there's any relation there or not. Then from there, we get Mark Canterbury and hits a nice suplex for a two count. Dustin Runnels walks through the crowd with a sign that just says he's coming back. Um, they're jamming so much into this opening segment here. So it's just match one, and we've already had The Rock walk out on stage and Dustin Rhodes walk through the crowd, um, and we're five minutes in so far. We get a big avalanche from Golga, and then he sets up but misses the earthquake splash, the famous, infamous move that crushed Damien all those years ago and put the Hulkster on the shelf. Um, just really must be one of his idols, I'm guessing. Mark Canterbury hits a nice reverse DDT before Kurgan makes the save. Luna comes in and the referee throws it out for a disqualification. During the melee, Jeff Jarrett comes out, tries to cut some of Luna's hair, but Giant Silver, who was at ringside, jumps in. Jarrett bails and Mark Canterbury eats a choke slam from the Giant Silver, so he gets his spot in. And then we are done for the segment. I Oddity's standing tall, so I think it's only apropos that we play out their theme song, their proper theme song. There we go to a commercial break, and when we come back, it is time for a big European title match. D'Lo Brown defending his title against Animal of LOD 2000. Um, yeah, this was not their finest moment in wrestling, the LOD, and just to ram that point home, a drunk, and you can't see because this is a podcast and not a video, but I did the dickhead air quotation with my finger there, Hawk comes out of the crowd um, because he thought he was wrestling in this match. Um, Mark Henry comes out and attacks Hawk on the outside after Animal had talked him out of the ring. And then gets in the ring and they double team on Animal. Animal eats a lowdown before Draws comes out with a chair to chase him off. So, a bit of a no contest here. Some very um, attitude era booking going on. And then we go to a video package for the Brawl for All, as if we needed any more attitude era stuff happening. 
We get told tomorrow night is going to be the final on Raw, Bart Gunn versus John, well, not John Brad for sure, they feel just Bradshaw at this point. But yeah, I wonder how that one's going to go. We go to another commercial, and when we come back, it is time for a tag match this time around. It's the Headbangers taking on Owen Hart and Dan the B7. We see Edge in the crowd because, you know, we're not cramming enough into the show so far. When we get started, Thrasher hits a couple of hip tosses before Dan Severin uh, shoots for a double leg takedown. Mosh comes in and works over the leg of Severin before hitting a power slam for a two. They go to a four-man brawl and somehow in the ruckus, Owen Hart locks on a dragon sleeper and puts Mosh to sleep. And as we go out from the match here, we get the talk from the commentators that Dan Severin's taught Owen Hart this move and he's going to make him more dangerous. So that was a cool little touch there and a good win for Owen and Dan. The Rock comes out again, and we see footage of The Rock using a ladder last Monday on Raw. Accepts the challenge, and I'll splice a little bit of this in here for you all. Um, but he's not quite in his full Rock form yet, as although he is getting good. 98 is when I really fell in love with The Rock, but he definitely wasn't polished at this point. Above the ring, it's only by using that 12-foot ladder. And the ladder certainly can be used as an equalizer, to say the least. The Rock... He's got a little something shared to all of his fans. Look at me, I didn't do nothing. What up, Rock? And that's this. When they opened the doors tonight, the Rock stood right over there and he watched each and every single one of you walk in here and he came to one conclusion. And that conclusion is this, is that tonight, this is without a shadow of a doubt, the largest collection of trailer park trash The Rock has ever seen. <laughs> you gotta love The Rock. You gotta love The Rock for that. I don't consider that too funny, actually. <laughs> what do you think, Carol? Now, let's get down to business. Triple H. After The Rock laid the smackdown on you with this damn ladder, you want to get on TV and run your mouth and challenge The Rock to a ladder match at SummerSlam. Well, I'll tell you what. Here's your answer to your SummerSlam ladder match. Triple H, you bet your pretty ass. There you have it. The ladder match is on for SummerSlam. We go to a commercial, and when we come back, it's time for Taka Michinoku versus Too Cold Scorpio. So, yeah, this is sort of the caliber of match we're getting here, and I like both these guys, but they're certainly afterthoughts in the WWF. Scorpio hits a shoulder block, and Taka hits a spin kick, followed by an acai moonsault. Yeah, like, excuse me, literally like a minute into the match, we're going into this. Um... Mr. Yamaguchi tries to interfere, but eats a kick from Scorpio. We get a powerbomb and a super kick, a Death Valley driver and a moonsault. Um, this is just insane. We get a distra- distraction from Mr. Yamaguchi, and this allows Taka to come back with the Michinoku driver for the one, two, three. Um, and then we see Val Venus come on the ramp, and he has something to say tomorrow night on Raw. I wonder what that could be and if it will have any repercussions. We then go back to comments from Mark Miro. Um, for, uh, sorry, 
I take that back completely. I can't read my notes. We go back to comments from Marco from Pacific Blue on the incident with Valvinus on the last episode of Heat. So nothing too noteworthy there, hence why I couldn't even read the little bit of scribble I put on my page. We have a commercial. We come back and we see a Stone Cold video. And then we show uh, the Kane... uh, Well... Kane dressing as The Undertaker, which was quite cool. I think everybody remembers Undertaker dressing as Kane. And if you are a wrestling figure collector like me, you may have that figure on the way. I know mine's expected any day. But the other way around with Kane dressed as Taker is something I don't really have that vivid a memory of. So it was quite cool to see a little snippet of it here. We then go to our main event and it's Jeff Jarrett versus Draws. And when that's your main event, you definitely understand the caliber of show we're watching. Um, Draws charges out the... Uh, charges out the blocks, but Jeff Jarrett jumps him, hits a stroke as a transitional move, so not yet the uh, WCW world title finisher it would become. We get some brawling along the outside, and then X-Pac comes out through the crowd, hits a spin kick leading to to a disqualification, draws holds Jeff Jarrett while X-Pac gets a lock of his hair cut off, and then... um, Jarrett basically hightails it. And I make a note here that that's the fourth person to come through the crowd in a 40-minute television show. So really, really, I don't know. They it, This show kind of, it was like we have to cram everyone in, but we don't want to put any of them in the ring. So all the stars are just going to make cameos, be a video, a promo, or walk through the crowd. And we'll just throw all the guys we don't give a shit about into the matches. So it really... It, it didn't kind of have a real purpose by the looks of how I watched it. So check it out and see what you think if you've got a spare 40 minutes and you don't mind a bit of a train wreck potentially. But that's it for Heat and definitely of the four episodes they've played so far, by far the worst. We're now going to head over and have a look at what Thunder did and see whether or not they were fractionally better than this one. Commentators on Thunder are Tony Schiavone, Bobby Heenan, and Lee Marshall. And we're told that the winner of War Games at the next pay-per-view is going to face Goldberg at Halloween Havoc the month following. So some big stakes to chat about on this show. Big stakes not really the case for the first match, though, as we go to Wrath versus Scott Putsky. And it was about this point I realized I'd made a grave mistake watching these shows. Putsky looks like um, he's sort of wearing a Pirates of the Caribbean Halloween costume. So somewhere between Scott Putzke of 98 and um, Paul Purchill of early 2000s here. Um, has some power moves early on. They brawl on the outside. With a nice springboard clothesline for a two and a pump handle slam into a dominator from Wrath, which is called the Meltdown. And this is enough to pick up a one, two, three in what is no more than a squash match. We go to a commercial, and when we come back, Tony Schiavone interviews Stevie Ray, who's just joined the black and white, so he comes out with Vincent, everybody's favorite valet. Says he's going to explain to him 
Bobby Heenan and Mike Tanay. Um, it's actually not Mike Tanay, it's Lee Marshall. So I'm not the only one that makes mistakes in this show either. Um, but he says he, he basically tells us he owes a debt to Hulk Hogan and Eric Bischoff, um, which is real life true. Hogan was the one that told Bischoff that the Harlem Heat were their best team and they need, needed to be utilized better early doors. Um, and he says that Hogan's put a down, bounty on DDP's head and he's going to take it. Not a great promo from Stevie Ray, but at least it kind of gave an explanation as to why he'd break up his team and join the NWO. We then go to our next match, and all right, oh, I don't know how I'm going to say this to you guys without just sounding like a proper asshole. But in 1998, primetime wrestling—not primetime wrestling, but wrestling on in primetime in America—featured Mike Enos taking on a guy called Bull Payne. <sighs> just. Yeah, jobber entrance for Bull Payne, so at least they knew that. The star power is not on display here. And Enos looks more like Scott Steiner than he did as a Beverly. He's definitely um, changed his diet. Bull Payne hits a top rope clothesline but misses a second rope elbow. Enos hits a power slam and puts on a wrist lock, wrist lock and slaps him around a bit. Bull Payne hits a clothesline off the apron to the floor because, yep, We've got to do something to try and get this match over. The crowd do not give a shit. We get a overhead belly-to-belly from Enos on the floor, a sidewalk slam, and then we get a piped-in crowd, um, a hot a hot crowd piped in for a second rope SOS for the one, two, three. You can see when the noise comes, no one in the crowd is making any movement or giving a shit. We get an ad, and then the promise of Cat versus Disco Inferno. So, yeah, that's definitely going to keep us around. Saturday night, 6.05, they tell us Stevie Ray, Y2J, and Meng will all be on the show. So it's not like that's taken over as a second tier either. When we come back, the match they promised to keep us around is Cat taking on Disco Inferno. Ernest the Cat Miller, that is not um, Miss Kitty. Disco Inferno wants to dance. The cat says no, which is ironic, considering later on somebody will need to call his mama to stop him. We get a kick to the back of the head, picks him up, kicks him in the chin. One, two, three. The cat cuts a shitty karate-based promo afterwards, which I will splice in, and I might even leave in some of the Slim Jim ad that follows. Incredible. He obliterated. Cut the music off. What's this about? WCW tried to make me a wrestle. Try to make me this wrestler right here. I'm not a wrestler. I'm a three-time world karate champion. And there's nothing or no one in that locker room can do a damn thing to stop me. In this ring right now, you see a wrestler and you see a world karate champion. And there's nothing anyone can do to stop me because I'm the real deal. I'm the greatest. Promotional considerate by the following. From there, we get Silver King taking on Conan. Conan cuts a promo, uh, the classic 98 Conan, so I'll play a little bit of it for you. 
We get some chain wrestling and a head scissors from Conan. Silver King with a spin kick and a springboard plancher. Conan with a press into a drop um, and then a rolling clothesline, a gut wrench suplex and the X Factor before locking on the Tequila Sunrise for the tap out victory. Rick Rude comes out with a bunch of the B-level black and white henchmen. Um, let's Conan choose who he faces as they surround the ring. Conan basically says, I'll take all of you on, jump in. And as they come in, he bails out and legs it, um, outsmarting them all, but not looking very brave. We go to a commercial, and when we come back, Tony Schiavone is in the ring and brings in Diamond Dallas Page. He cuts a promo on the people that brought him in and Hogan being scared of... Oh, sorry, the people he's brought in for the war games. And Hogan being scared of the Ultimate Warrior. Hits all his catchphrases and accepts Stevie Ray's challenge for later on in the evening. So at least we're going to have DDP wrestle on this show, which is something. We now have Mike today on commentary. Um, Stevie Ray must have known he was coming on later. And it's Evan Courageous taking on Kaz Hayashi. Um, yeah, these matches, um, the star power is just not there. We get chain wrestling to mild, boring chants and groans, and that's not just in my living room. Um, Kaz Hayashi hits a spin kick. Evan Courageous hits a power slam for a two. Sony Ono is out watching with some typical 90s round, light-tinted sunglasses on, looking just absolutely awesome. Kaz Hayashi hits a suplex, and then a slingshot sent on before Courageous comes back with a suplex and then a high senton of his own for the one, two, three, as we go to commercial, as Sonny Ono talks about how he could be money. We then get an absolute clusterfuck of a match. Um, Lodi comes out with broken fingers and challenges Saturn for breaking his fingers. Who comes out and Saturn hadn't actually broken his fingers, Raven has, but Lodi thinks it was Saturn because he's brainwashed. Um, he challenges Saturn to a match and says if he wins, Lodi will leave the flock. But if he win, sorry, if he if Saturn wins, Lodi will leave the flock. But if Lodi wins, Saturn has to be a slave until the pay-per-view. Saturn agrees to this, hits a clothesline and some corner kicks, um, and then a good suplex. Uh, Riggs comes out, as does Sick Boy. Saturn sends them both packing before Raven comes out. He hits a nice suplex on Raven before Canyon comes out and hits him with a flatliner, joins the flock, and gives Lodi the victory, so Saturn is going to have to be his slave. Um, a lot to follow in a very short period of time. Some of the flock stuff can be good, but some of it can be quite convoluted. We then go to Scott Norton versus Jim the Anvil Neidhart in 1998. <sighs> Scott Norton with a shoulder, <laughs> and Virgil gets some cheap shots from the outside. Neidhart hits a second rope clothesline, and Norton doesn't even leave his feet. Uh, no sells all of the anvil shots before hitting him with a powerbomb for a 1-2-3, and really made a, a fool out of Jim Neidhart. Jim Neidhart had every bit of ability Scott Norton had, in my, in my opinion. So to see him squash him like that was a little bit sad, considering the Hart Foundation were one of my childhood faves. Uh, Virgil goes to talk into the camera and the cameraman goes, fuck off and pulls to a different shot. So got what you deserve there, big Virg. 
We then go to Chris Jericho versus Alex Wright for the TV title Jericho has, and we get Chris Jericho's WWF theme. So even when we get someone we like, they still find a way to ruin it on the network. We get a Jericho sucks chant, and he drinks from a cup that's thrown into the ring, which is quite funny. They chain wrestle, but they do lots of stalling. Alex Wright eventually hits a clothesline. They brawl on the outside. We get a belly-to-belly from Alex Wright for a two, a spin kick from Jericho, and some more brawling along the outside. Some really awkward... You know, almost like they were trying to make it real-looking mat wrestling. A lion salt. Alex Wright hits an eye poke, so not sure who's meant to be the heel here. I thought it was Jericho. A backbreaker and spin kick both get him two counts. Jericho hits a back suplex and his double underhook backbreaker, which I loved as a move. I was gutted when he stopped using that. Alex Wright hits a hot shot and a sunset flip before Jericho rolls it into the walls of Jericho and gets a tap-out victory. Of course, it was the lion tamer back there, so I guess I'm just as bad as the WWE Network. From there, we go to Van Hammer versus Kurt Hennig, Mr. Perfect. Yeah, really reaching into the depths here. If we're, I love Kurt Hennig, but surely Van Hammer in 1998 is not the opponent for uh, a Kurt Hennig that's on the downward of his career, at least. Uh, we get a clothesline from Van Hammer before Perfect powders. Rick Rude distracts him. Perfect comes in and takes over. Van Hammer manages to get a Hope Spot small package for a two before eating the Hennigplex for the one, two, three. And we go to a commercial in another long, another one of the long line of shitty matches. When we come back, mercifully, it's time for our main event. It is Stevie Ray taking on DDP. DDP hits a cool-looking Russian leg sweep. Stevie Ray powders. Virgil distracts. Stevie Ray hits some punches and a big corner whip. A backbreaker as we get a DDP chant trying to rally up behind Paige. A bear hug, and DDP nearly kills him on a backdrop. He very nearly lands on his head. We get a spinning clothesline from DDP and a neck breaker uh, into the cutter on Vincent. And we get the bell at DQ. So this is a little bit uh, meh. The giant comes out and we, they start to double team on DDP. But Conan comes out, doesn't jump in the ring and actually help, just grabs DDP's legs and pulls him out for another little bit of a chicken shit runaway, to be perfectly honest. So Conan basically says, you're not going to do to him what you tried to do to me earlier. That's how we end the shows. So the only thing left to do now is to pick a winner or to sort of paraphrase that old episode of The Simpsons where Simpson, uh, sorry, Bart and Flanders' kid play golf. It's more like the team that lost the least because uh, this was just fucking terrible wrestling all round. Um, as far as match quality, I've got to give it to Thunder because they had a couple of guys that could do a couple of moves, which is pretty much better than anything that happened over on Heat. Um, crowd heat, I'm going to go the other way and give it to heat because they at least had run-ins from people they cared about. And other than DDP, no one really gave a shit about anyone or maybe Conan as well. I should say on Thunder, they really didn't care. And that's an hour longer with less star power. So it is what it is. Um, characters, I'm going to go, oh, characters is a bit of a tie because they had way more jobbers on Thunder, but they did have DDP, um, Whereas on Heat, they didn't really have any of their top stars appear. Um, maybe The Rock is sort of middle of the card at that point. He's certainly not in the caliber yet of Austin, Taker, Kane, Mankind, uh, Vince. So that was what it was. For storylines, I'm going to go with Heat because... They advanced a couple, particularly X-Pac and Jeff Jarrett. Um, 
and they did at least have video packages advancing some of the other stuff. Whereas Thunder didn't even manage to put videos of Hogan, Goldberg, or anyone like that into their show. And for the final category, we have production value. Production value, I would probably go with Heat. Um, they crammed a lot more into their short show, and it whilst it was rushed, it was still smooth. Um, there was nothing really stand out on either show, but Heat probably narrowly takes it, which means Heat takes the win, and in my opinion, and since the win is basically my opinion, I think it probably just won because it was shorter. Honestly, I think they didn't drag for as long, so when you saw a start, it was closer to the start or end and didn't feel like you were going longer periods without seeing anything actually happen. So if you're going to follow along with any of the shows I do, don't make it this week. Um, To sort of pull an anti-Conrad Thompson, if you avoid any wrestling this week, avoid the shit that I watched. Um, Other than that, that is it. We have got another little episode coming out to tide us over. I'm supposed to be recording with Richie this weekend um, to have a look at some really good wrestling from 1989. So the tone will change and I'm waiting on making a time with Carl as well. So as I said at the start of the show, feel free to hassle these guys and tell them to hurry up. Um, Don't really because they're nice, but do it in a funny way and they'll forgive you anywho. And that will do it for now. I will chat to you all again very, very soon. And thank you for listening. Trying to play around, I need it.
you go.